You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. You're going to have a different experience tonight because I don't preach like Pastor Ariel. After I go through a preaching series with him, I feel like I've been fathered. Like I, my, my, my father just would put his arms around me and say, son, go, go where you need to go. Me, I'm more of a storyteller. For those of you who know me, I love movies. I used to be in the animation industry before I was a pastor. So I just really love stories. So you're going to hear a story today, uh, kind of an epic story. If you think about, well, it's not an all or nothing series, but if you look about, think about it, Kait naman was a story, right? It was the story of a sovereign God. That everything was held in Him and made by Him and even redeemed by Him. And His love was the most powerful part of this sovereign God. That His servants would feel that all the way down to their toes. And you felt that, that it would impact, it made an effect sa buhay natin, sa relationships natin, sa career, everything. It affected everything. That's why, we, that's why the story of the next message, Beyond Borders, was the story of us, the servants of this sovereign God, taking the good news of that king to all the ends of the earth. And I hope you'd prayed and heard from God what part you have to take in that mission. I'm going to be telling you another story today. It's an epic story. It's about a troubled nation. It's about a country in trouble. Some of their people are scattered also all over the earth. This country, this people, they have a president that's a little unpredictable. Certainly very controversial. have <laughs> a lot to say. Sometimes you wonder who's advising this leader. And of course, the, the country's in trouble. There are a lot of, well, there's a, a big oppression rate. Uh, there are leaders of other countries. There are a lot of laws being announced, alliances here and there. And life is also unpredictable for these people. This is the people, this is the story of Esther and the Jews. <laughs> and this message that I'd like to entitle, one the, remember that famous saying, you know, Queen Esther and the Jews, right? They were in trouble as well. They were about to be destroyed, the whole people. And that's when this famous saying was uh, told to Queen Esther herself, and she was told, weren't you here for such a time as this? Could you say that with me? For such a time as this. The story of Esther and the Jews might actually give you goosebumps. In Tagalog, kilabotize you. <laughs> because the parallels are so close. You were just thinking a while ago that he's going to talk about the Philippines. He's going to talk about our country and what we need to do. Well, certainly the book of Esther was written about one of their most disastrous times. And you could even see it in sort of like in the contemporary world. Their story started because an empire marched across the world and started conquering land after land after land. And in this, during this hard time, so many people were stripped away from their families and their homes into a strange land. Families and relationships were broken. Are you, are you getting the, the sound family feeling? Exiles, refugees, and in the middle of all this chaos, all this, all this hardship, they hold a beauty pageant. 
Tama. It's true. The, the queen disobeyed a, an order and she was demoted. So they had to look for another queen. Hence, the beauty pageant. Ako, baka mayari ako sa Miss Universe. Just to let you know, ah, beauty pageants are not about beauty. They're about leadership. They're about influence and role models. Ah, <laughs> beauty pageant. But that did not, buti na lang that that happened and a, and a righteous woman was chosen because very quickly after a law was signed to destroy the Jews. A law was signed that, that would annihilate them and make it official. Don't use the word extrajudicial. <laughs> the nation was scattered as they were all, all of them put in danger. In one year's time after that law was passed, it would be official to kill a Jew and take their homes and take all their possessions. And the people lived in fear. I wondered when we were doing the elections and we had a rise and fall series. Do you remember that? And honestly, people came here. What does the Bible say? What does the church say? Really, they made up their minds who they were going to vote for, right? I, I made up my mind, I was sure. But I wondered, outside of church, I wouldn't hear much conversation or anybody asking what does God think about the next leader? I certainly didn't read much of that on Facebook. So would you permit this during these trying times? Do you feel that these are trying times? Kind of, sort of, you can relate to what's going on with, the, with these Jews, with this story. So do I invite you to stand up? Let, let us ask, what does God say about these trying times? And so the story of Esther climaxes in Esther chapter 4, verse 6 to 16. And since I'm just a guest preacher, okay, I, okay, I put it here so that you don't have to take out your Bibles. But if you want to take out your Bibles, please do so. And turn to Esther 4. Okay. This, the scene here was that Mordecai, the man who raised Esther, when he heard of the news of the law that was being passed, he, he started mourning. Okay. And if you can't hear, if you can't really read it from where you are there in the back, don't, I'll read it for you. So Mordecai was in the, the front gates of the king because he was trying to find out what happened to his, uh, his, his ward, uh, Esther. So Esther saw him mourning and tearing off his clothes and putting on sackcloth and said, and sent her servant, Hathak, who went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him. He even told him the exact sum of money that this man, Haman, would everybody say Haman? He was the wicked Haman. He was the one who instigated this law. And if you, if you like, if you, if, I, if you hear the word Haman, just go like that, okay? Haman. <laughs> he even told the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the actual written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her or command her to go to the king to beg his favor, plead with him on behalf of her people. Then Esther spoke to Atak and commanded him to go back to Mordecai and say, you know what? All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there's but one law to be put to death. 
except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, so that he or she may live. But as for me, I haven't been called in 30 days. I haven't been called to come into the king these 30 days. So that was the danger that Esther was putting herself into. And so they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. And please listen to God in this. Don't think to yourself that in the king's palace, you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent, everybody say, keep silent. At this time, well, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. But who knows, Mordecai was saying, Malay muba, whether you have not come to the kingdom for what? For such a time as this. So how could Esther respond but this way? Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa. Hold a fast on my behalf. And don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young woman will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king. Though it is against the law and she kind of subtext, though I might die. And if I perish, perish. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have the ear and heart to hear your people, to listen to us. We come here right now well with personal problems, but with concerns for the country as well. We look outside and see children in our streets. We look and see the price tags going up and up and up and wondering for the future of our next generation. We see the situation and see there are opportunities for us here. Will families have to be separated and go abroad? Many, many, many considerations. And the laws passed by our leaders will affect us. But you are the sovereign king. The Bible says you, are, you, Lord Jesus, are the Lord of all, King of kings, and the name above all. Everything was placed under your feet. So Father, we spend this time right now with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us this opportunity to have relationship with you. Please send your Holy Spirit. We desper- I desperately depend on the Holy Spirit to anoint the preaching of your word and let us hear this message not just from the person here on stage but really from our Lord up above. And we give you back all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen. amen. This story, this story, this story is going to tell us that change can happen to our country. Who thinks change will happen to our country? Change has come. It will come. It's happening. But through the story of Esther and the Jews, God is telling us today that He can do change. He can create change. He can change this country. But how is He going to do it? This is He's going to do it through a leader for the nation. Let's look at these two leaders. What happened to them? Esther. How, let's see how they got into the places where they were where they were they got into. Esther 2, chapter 2. This was during the beauty pageant. And for some reason, see Esther. She was there was something about her. There was some grace. Maybe it was in the way she would walk. You know how some women stride? They they float. No, they don't just walk. 
Maybe it was in the words. She was very diplomatic, very graceful, very passionate, compassionate. But whatever that was, when it was her turn, hey, when Esther was taken to King Hasuerus into his royal palace in the 10th month, this month in Tibet, the 7th year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women. And she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. And the passage before would say, with everyone, everybody liked Esther. So that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of that former queen who wouldn't follow his orders, Queen Vashti. So you see here, the Bible doesn't say. What is it about Esther? Somehow she was placed there. Her guardian was the same, Mordecai. He was also placed in a certain position of honor. But he, Lalo now, especially him, had nothing to do with who he was or his background or how much money he had or how courageous he was. He was just in the right place at the right time because he was always looking after Esther, right? So he's always there at the front gate. May nakita siya in the front gate. He saw something there. There were two of the king's eunuchs, two servants, Big Thon and Teresh. Yung mga pangalan talagang gagaling, no? Name your, imagine your kid, Big Thon, Teresh. For some reason, the Bible doesn't also say, they were angry and sought to harm, to lay hands on King Asueros. Kumagay, assassination plot. And this came to the knowledge of Mordecai. He heard them talking and he told it to Queen Esther and Esther told it to the king in the name of Mordecai. So when they investigated that and they found it to be true, the men were both hanged. Imprisoned and hanged. And this whole incident was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. So the name Mordecai and Esther meant something now. And it had nothing to do with them. They were just at the right place at the right time. So maybe you're thinking, wow, a leader for the nation? Is that our president? Is that the officials? The leader that this is showing us is the people in front of me now. God is going to make a change in our country and it's going to be through leaders, you leaders of this nation. If you answer the call, ah, what an amazing thing. I look at you now, you're 1,200, maybe, maybe even more. Would you look at your seatmate right now? Mukhang leader ba? Turo mo, yan, ikaw, ikaw yun. Ikaw ang pinag-uusapan ni Pastor. I know, I know, I know. Parang I came here to listen to a message about my problems. I don't want to get involved. Ang hirap-hirap ang magbasa ng jari. It's hard to read a newspaper. When I was young, I would never touch a newspaper. My dad, breakfast time. His head buried in the newspaper. I wouldn't see his face. And we would always, I don't know if you have dads like that. You have dads like that. He'd always tell us to, hey, come on, you better be more involved. You, you get out there. You have to know what's going on. Why, why am I putting you through school? <laughs> I, I didn't want to get involved. My, so tuloy, my, me and my dad wouldn't get along very much. But as I grew up, you know what? I found out he was so right. You need to get involved. He was so, so right. So me, I went left. I went kind of left-leaning a little. <laughs> I would join rallies, make baka. You know, I would, you know, I, would, I would really shout at the top of my lungs. So the gap between us widened even a bit more. 
God since reconciled us and God saved my dad. But I learned the, when he died and I got to talk to all the people that he was able to impact because he was always involved. He created a collective in Tarlac, that's this hometown, for the farmers to make sure that they would have opportunity and their, and, their, and their resources were managed well. And when he died, I talked to these farmers. You know, these farmers, we could not bring my dad's ashes to Tarlac. So what they did is they all rented a bus and went there here in Manila to, to honor my dad. And I asked them, why? Because your dad changed our lives. And that's when I learned... Yes, he was so right. How did he do that? He got involved. In fact, all of us were giving, we're, we're all given spheres of influence. You know a statistic? I don't know, you might have read this. One statistic says that every single person will have the chance to impact at least, at least 6,000 people in their lifetime. So if you count that right now, each person in this room 6,000, 6,000, 6,000, 6,000. In this room is the potential to impact 6 million people if we get involved. Never mind the 12,000 that are in the church. That's what happened internet when this statistic came out. Let's look at the influence of Esther. The important thing is what do we do with this influence? So they told Mordecai. What Esther had said, and Mordecai told him to reply, and this was the famous saying, don't think that yourself, that the king's, in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise of the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come? Who knows about you? Why you have what you have, the family that you have, why you're here in church, why you're listening to the word of God, why you have the gospel in your heart. Who knows why you have that now, if not for such a time as this. Being involved in a country is like raising a child. We steer the destiny of this country by two ways. Everybody say two ways. By our action and by our inaction. It's just like with a child. <laughs> I say wala baby ko. Cute cute na child na to, no? But if I do nothing in his life, what will happen to this child? I know of teenagers and youth who are already addicted to so many vices, have no respect for any kind of authority. Never mind that behavior. Just look at their hearts, always looking for something else to fill that deep deep longing and loneliness in their hearts. If I don't do anything, the Bible says, you train up a child in the way to go, right? And when he becomes older, he will not depart from that. That's, whether, that's good and bad. If you don't do anything and then let that child grow as you will, he will grow up that way as well. But if I invest time in this child, if I have my Bible time with this child, prayer time with this child, if I bring him to kids' church, let him see other, be surrounded by other children trying to follow God. What kind of child would this be? What kind of country will we be if we all got involved and stopped being inactive and was active in leading people to Christ, sharing the gospel, inviting them to church? You don't even have to go to church. Talk to them about Jesus in, in your workplace, at home. 
I believe all of us have been given this sphere of influence and we can steer the course of this country. Brennan Manning said in a book, interestingly enough, this book inspired Toby Mac. I don't know if you listen to Toby Mac. He, he, this song, Speak Life, was inspired by this saying, in every encounter, we either give life or we drain it. There's no neutral exchange. The grass cutter guy I met this morning, I didn't even say anything to him. I just said, ah, I, I, I can't be with you. I have to go. I didn't give him life. Maybe the teacher in school, maybe your boss at, at, in the, the workplace, your mom or dad. In that encounter, did we drain life or did we give life? Did we take that opportunity? Because there is no neutral exchange. All of us can impact someone's life. All of us. Everybody say, all of us. All of us. We're made for such a time as this. God can change the country through a leader, us leaders, for the nation. And he can change the country through a church that prays. Let's go back to Esther. Esther chapter 4. Look at the response of Esther. When she got the great message, you've been made for such a time as this. Look to your seatmate. Say, Iko, you're on such a time as this. How would you respond? Look at how she responds. Okay, okay. Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa. Hold a fast on my behalf. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young men, women, my friends will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Funnily enough, you know this book, controversial tong book ni Esther. A lot of scholars said it shouldn't even be in the Bible. You know why? There is no mention of God anywhere. Read it. It's less than 10 chapters. Read it. There's no mention of God there. But there is, still, there is still something that Mordecai and, and Esther are, are saying that, said, that points to a God who is a force in their life. Look at how she responds. She doesn't go, okay, I, I need to go to the king. Let me, let me go to my computer and let me, let me say, King Ahosueros, this is what we have to do. You're doing it wrong. She doesn't say that. She submits to a higher power and asks people to guide her through prayer. They pray first. They fast first. They humble themselves before God. And the Bible says, if you humble yourself before me and my people, I will, I will hear your prayers and I will heal your land. In the book of Chronicles. I think the different way, I hope I probably would have just gone on FB and just written something beautiful and wonderful that, you know, the, our leaders would listen to. Maybe on this message, such a time as this. But she prayed and she fasted. And how it affected, I think her character was kind of affected by something that she'd read. You know, during the times when they were exiled, they were exiled, right? These were all the exiled Jews that were captured by first the Babylonians and now the Assyrians. So, kalat na kalat na sila. And they had this news from God, from, they're, they're called, parasang uh, but they're called prophets. God would use people to give messages to his people. These prophets, one of them, they must have read, because this one, he was specifically giving messages to the exiles. Jeremiah 29. Some of you know this. Some of you know that it's, it's where God says, I have plans for you, not to harm you, but, to, to, but for your good. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent, parang kunwari message, into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Remember, he's talking to refugees. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Don't decrease. Wow. 
Lord, ayoko nga dito eh. Exile nga ako eh. Second class citizen ako dito eh. I'm a second class citizen here. I want to leave. But he says, plant roots. Have a family. And he takes it a notch higher. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, read it with me, you will find welfare. Bless that city. Are they oppressing you? Are you lacking there and you don't have access to the resources, education, fees, whatever there? Bless that city. Bless that city. And they had this attitude. Esther and Mordecai had that attitude. What's the effect of this heart to pray and bless our country? You know what Esther did also after the prayer and fasting? She didn't even go directly to the king and say, King, this is our problem. I'm the queen, listen to me, this is our problem. She didn't do that yet. She had two dinners. Not one, two. Nagpakain mo na siya. I don't know what it was, maybe karakare or whatever. And then his, and, and the king, and do, do I have favor from you, king? She's asked the king. Go to another dinner. Another dinner where she, where she bears her heart out. She takes this slow route, patiently, elegantly. And how that must have affected the king. Let's see the effect of that kind of character on the king. This prayerful, patient approach to the king. In Esther 7. I wrote there chapters 8 and 9 because this part, the king kept saying again and again. This is what the king said. So they had the feast with Queen Esther. On the second day, they were drinking wine and the king again said to Esther, and this is what he kept saying, What's your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. What's your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Wow, what a turnaround. The king goes further. And at this feast, the queen finally says, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be granted me for my wish. Nag-imagine na ako, no? Hindi siya hurried, hindi siya kinakabahan, he wasn't nervous or really fearful. Just come. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, to be annihilated. You know what's happening to us. If we had been sold, but look at this, look at this next part. She says, if we'd been sold merely as slaves and women, men and women, I would have been silent. For our affliction is not to be compared with the loss to the king. She's basically saying that I'm on your side. If we weren't threatened, I wouldn't complain anything to you. Even if we were slaves, it'd be worse, it'd be better for me just to be your slave as long as I can serve you. She's saying this to the king. The king who signed the law made by the wicked Haman to kill the Jews. I would rather serve you. If I wasn't threatened, I would keep serving you, all of us. Wow. What support. And look, then you can see if the king would see this kind of support from us. The king Anwar said to Queen Esther, Who is he? And where is he? Who has dared to do this? And Esther said, A foe, an enemy. This wicked? Haman. <laughs> then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. What that does that cha- do to a heart? Something that's not critical, not criticizing. 
He's not, not self-centered or trying to push her own agenda, but was so supportive of the king, how it moved his heart. So he instantly signed the decree to reverse that order. Actually, not reverse that order, but he gave the right to the Jews to defend themselves. And the opposite happened. It was the Jews who were able to get more plunder and gain more from their conquerors than the other way. The king honors the Jews just because of his love for this particular one. He fights for them. He blesses them. Do you know how much God wants to bless us? Do you believe with all your heart that he wants to bless his children here in the Philippines? Is that something that's beating in your soul? You know and you know that God, let me tell you this as a message, God wants to fight for you. God wants to fight for his children. He wants to protect and preserve his family here in this country. He will bless us. Lastly, because he's going to change his country because of his love. Not just a leader for the nation. Not just the church that prays. Because he is a king for his people. Our king loves us. Our king is for us. That's going back to Jeremiah Times, the newspaper they're reading, or this prophet that was speaking to them. For I know the plans, this is what we know, for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Can we read this together? Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and what? Find me when you seek me with all your heart. He says, he promises, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And look at this. Let's read it together. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. Even from the steps of poverty, even from the steps of chaos, even from the, 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 the territories of disunity where you find yourselves in, where we find ourselves in. I can take you back, the Lord says, and restore you. That is God's plans for our country. God himself moves. And once again, let me remind you, there is no mention of God at all in this book. But if you look at the whole story, how Queen Vashti lost favor with the king, the beauty pageant, how the king, the king would just turn around and find the evil Haman. Find out his scheme. There's actually a very, very funny story. Right in the middle of this epic story, there's one comedy part. There's kind of a comedy part one night. And it's in Esther 6. You might say, oh, the king being let out. Can I tell you who this is? This is... This is Mordecai, the Jew that was about to be annihilated. And the one leading this horse, this is, this is him being honored. And, being, and they're being told everywhere that he goes that this is the one that king, the king favors. You know who's announcing that? Haman. He was the one. This is the story behind this picture. One night, the king could not sleep. So he was just up and about, and he was looking through the chronicles, through the records. He logbook the magwarjanya, pipiyanya, and he saw that was logged right there, the story of Mordecai revealing the assassination plot. And he says, "Whoa, I should be honoring this guy. How am I going to honor this guy?" And it just turns out, see, Haman 
was outside. He was gonna go to the king because he built a gallows. Alam niyo yung gallows? Kusang binibita yung mga tao? A hanging gallows. He was about to convince the king to, to let Mordecai be the first Jew to be killed and hanged. So that's why he was there. Nakita, the king saw him. Oh, Haman, come here, Haman. Haman, how should I honor someone who the king likes? And so, you can picture Haman. Whoa, it's me. Yay, it's my moment. So give them a horse, king. Give him the king's horse. Give him the king's robes. March him around everywhere and tell him this is the one the king favors. Woohoo. That's great. You can see Haman's face. Yeah. Do everything you said to Mordecai. Hence <laughs> the picture. Let me tell you what happened afterwards. So he went home and he told his wife, Zeresh, all that happened. You know what his wise men said and Zeresh said? They said to him, if Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of the Jewish people, you will not overcome him. But will surely fall before him. Come on. They sensed and they knew that there was a superior force fighting for him. All these, even though you don't see the name of God there, his hand and his print will be everywhere his children and his people are. Fighting, give the Lord a hand if you'd like. He is fighting and protecting and lifting us up. God himself moves. If you think about it, if the Jews were all eradicated, that would have foiled God's plan to save us all. We would not be here tonight. But you can't stop God. God's people were protected because God's purpose will always prevail. The Bible says that. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but God's purposes will prevail. And God has a mighty plan for the Philippines. You know, we were prophesied just by our name alone. Philip. Beans, right? We were named after King Philip of Spain and he was named after Philip the Evangelist. We were meant to be a, a gospel sharing nation. It's on our, it's on our, in our bills. Blessed is the nation whose Lord is God. God has a mighty plan. Do you believe that? So will you do anything to show that that is so, that he is our God? Why don't we pray that? Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Lord, maybe, maybe we're not sure how our prayers really make a difference. But Lord, we know that you change things. Lord, we know that you have a magnificent plan for the Philippines. Brothers and sisters, would I ask you to join those who are standing up? And if we don't do it in prayer, then maybe during this time of worship, just say, God, reign over the Philippines. God, you be sovereign over the Philippines. Lord, let your glory shine over the children here. We just want to lift you up, make you king. Would you do that? Let's sing. Let's worship God.